Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. I'm Amy Wells. Coach Mac, of course, is here too. Thank you so much for joining us for this festive Christmas holiday edition. Yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Um, I-, I have nothing festive planned, but as I was talking, it occurred to me that Christmas is coming. It is days away. You've got plenty festive planned. I, uh, not for this podcast. I mean, for my life, I do. Okay, well, then, I, you, then you have something festive planned, and this podcast is part of your life, and so it's included. I know. I just feel like I should have had the forethought to include some sort of festive holiday interlude or some sort of like jingle bells or a Santa appearance. I have none of that. I don't have that. Well, we'll get Jeanette to lay a Christmas carol on the background. Perfect. That'll be good. She can do it. (laughs) She can do anything. All right. So just a little status update of where we have been and where we are going. The Titans are coming off of a road loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. They're now seven and seven on the season. They're still three and one in the division. And if the playoffs started right this second right now, The Titans would be the fourth seed and would host the Baltimore Ravens. So obviously this is not where the Titans wanted to be, but this is where we are. And it's not a bad place either, right? Well, the the reason we're here is because of injuries. And so, I mean, I know you're going to go through some of the, but I mean, this is a deal. And even if you don't want to hear about it, it's a reality. And the reality of the National Football League is, look, lifetime coach. The first thing you hate as a coach is losing. The next thing pretty equal to that is losing your players. And both of those things uh, are dependent on one another. This team has lost an inordinate amount of frontline players. And bringing the players in that we brought in, they're doing everything that they can. But some of these guys are coming in on Monday and Tuesday and not just having to play, Amy, five, six, seven, ten snaps on special teams. They're having to play 40, 50, 60 snaps on either offense or defense. So that's the issue that we're in right now. You're still charged with winning the football game, but you've got to understand that there's reasons that you're there, and that's why we're here where we are. Well, okay, so let's lean into injuries a little bit. Let's talk about this because, as you said, the Titans have a lot of them. They've used more than 80 players already this season. And so I want to preface this whole conversation by saying I'm not making excuses. I'm not passing blame. None of those things. I just want to talk about the reality of the situation. And when you are a head football coach and you are preparing for a game on Sunday or on Saturday, and you don't really know who is going to be playing, who's going to be available for that game, how big of a challenge is it for you as the head coach? It's a huge challenge, not only for the head coach, for the assistant coaches. And it's a huge challenge for the players because you still, we've still got some players that have been playing through some injuries you know, that, are, that are trying to hang in there. But, and it's also a challenge training new people. I mean, you spend basically all the offseason getting getting your program ready and training your people for what you're going to face during the year with tweaks. But now you have to start over at ground zero with brand new people that you bring in. So what it does, it shrinks what you're able to do because one person, everybody's dependent on everybody else in, in, a, in a game, offense, defense, special teams. And so what you have to do is you have to coach to the lowest common denominator to get everybody on the same page. That's a challenge. Well, and 
for the Titans, they're bringing in a lot of people to fill in those spots. A lot of guys are being signed on a Monday or a Tuesday and are playing on a Saturday or a Sunday. As a player, how much information can you really intake in three or four days of preparation? It depends on the player, and it depends on their experience. If you're bringing experienced players in, a lot of the concepts in the league are the same. Language is different everywhere. And then, see, it wouldn't. it's different when you bring someone in in the offseason from somewhere else, and you've got all offseason to get them indoctrinated into what you do. If you bring someone in during the season, your preparation time is really shortened because you're getting ready to play a game. You're putting in first and second down game plan, third down game plan, short yardage and goal line, two-minute game plan. Everything has to work together. So it's a challenge. It really is. I've done it before. I've I've brought a corner in one time when I was the head coach of the Cardinals and we were playing the Raiders when they were still in Oakland. And the corner that we brought in, I, I said, look, in, in this game, when, they, when we changed, when we changed, he's a veteran player, so he played both sides. I said, when we flip fields at the quarters, you be sure you're on my sideline so I can tell you what to do. <laughs> oh, no. What's the truth? Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where, that's where sometimes you do what you have to do. When you're limited in what you can call because of the personnel that you have available, what options do you have? You just have to run what you are able to call as efficiently as possible? Yes, absolutely. And then you try to fit it, uh, try to fit it and try to find some weaknesses on your opponent that you can you can still work. You still got some of your top line players, so you've got to be able to accentuate those. And when things are happening like this, your best players have to play their best because Basically, they've got to be able to you know, pull everybody else up with them. I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but it's a reality of a situation. And the reality of it is, too, Titans are still in a position, if you win the right games, that you're still going to win this division. So that's where you are. So let's talk about um, injuries a little bit and what this team is looking like. We are recording this on Thursday afternoon and with the Titans playing on Saturday at Nissan Stadium, this is a football Friday. So the football team is going through their Friday routine. Um, so we know a little bit more about who is going to be playing on Saturday than we would on a typical Thursday. Um, back at practice, which is very exciting, Traylon Burks, Zach Cunningham, Danico Autry, Trey Avery. Those are some of those front-line players, right, Mac? Absolutely. That helps. That helps a lot. That helps that they've been able to work themselves back, working through their injuries, being able to rehab and get back on the field. Yes, that helps. People that we know are going to be out and will not be playing in this upcoming contest against the Houston Texans. Ryan Tannehill, Nate Davis, Christian Fulton, Ben Jones, Terrence Mitchell, Dylan Cole, and Josh Thompson. That is the list. Well, and those are all legitimate players. (laughs) Those are all players that have started and have played and, you know, the, the biggest headliner is your starting quarterback, you know, who has been really, really gutting through an ankle, you know, came back to play, even came back in the Chargers game. Once he got it twisted, it got carted in, and then came back out and finished the ball game and, and had a good game. Had You know, I, I thought that the, the team put everything they had into that game at SoFi and left it all out on the field and then, you know, weren't rewarded with a win. That's where we are. So with Ryan Tannehill not playing this game, Malik Willis will get his third start of the season. He's going to be starting against the Houston Texans, a team that he has already seen once. He faced him in week eight. How does that help him prepare, having been the starter, not just 
prepping, going through the motions, trying to keep his mind engaged and, you know, prepping like a starter. But having actually been on the field playing this guy, how how is that going to help him get ready for this game? Oh, it's big. I mean, it helps him a lot because now it's not brand new to him. You know, when he when he had to go in and start that game against Houston in Houston early in the year, I mean, that was brand new to him. And so, you know, the game plan was to lean very, very heavily on Derrick Henry. Lean on Derrick Henry and lean on your defense, who was healthier at the time. And so that's what that's what they did, and they won the ball game. But Malik Willis has grown since he's been here as far as being a, a National Football League quarterback. Not anywhere near what he's going to be or needs to be you know, to be a to be a proficient starter in this league, but he's so far ahead of where he was. And you watch him at practice this week, he's much more confident. I thought he was much more confident, Amy. You're on the field during the game when he came in against the Chargers. You could just tell, you know, that I mean he's he's been doing it a while. As he said, been doing it for thirteen or fourteen weeks now, for real. So he understands it. So you asked the question about starting the Houston game, how important that was. I think it's really important. The Titans added University of Tennessee alum Joshua Dobbs to the active roster. Now, Dobbs is a veteran quarterback in this league who hasn't done a ton in terms of live reps, but is a veteran backup. So he has a lot of wisdom to impart on Malik Willis. So regardless of what ends up happening on the field in terms of injuries and this and that, whether or not Joshua Dobbs ever sees the field, he can be really beneficial to Malik, correct? Well, I think so. I mean, he's not going to impart a whole lot of knowledge as far as to what this scheme is, but he can really – I mean, he's he's been at enough clubs now. And as you said, he had had a lot of game action. But, uh, you know, the the book on him was really smart guy, has, has been around. You know, you can't manufacture experience in this league. At least he has experience of being in the league. So that's a plus. I mentioned it earlier when I went through the injuries and everything. Traylon Burks is back, and um, he had a good week of practice. We saw him out on the field. Mike Vrabel said that he is optimistic about him being cleared through the concussion protocol, being able to be back on the field. What is he able to bring to the offense, especially one that has someone like Malik back there who is going to need some weapons to throw to? Well, I mean, Traylon, I thought, was really making a lot of progress before he got the turf toe at Indy. Then he really had to reset, had to reset and start again. Worked his way through that, came back, did everything that you're supposed to do, came back in great condition, both mentally and physically, and was really beginning to start to blossom into what we need and what he is. I mean, he's a big, fast combat catcher is what he is. So he's a threat. Then he gets his face broke. I mean, on a, on a beautiful, a great catch, one of the best combat catches I've ever seen, but he gets a concussion, so that's that's another setback. Now, he's worked his way back from that, so let's see where he is at this stage working his way back from that. And But he's the most talented receiver on the field that we have when he's playing. On the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of things to watch. And again, I had mentioned that guys like Danico Autry are hopefully going to be back. Um, Zach Cunningham playing his former team. That's very exciting. Um Two guys that I'm really fired up about, and this is residual from last week's game against the Los Angeles Chargers, really fired up about Roger McCreary, really fired up about Joshua Kalu. Well, Roger McCreary has, has stayed with it since he's come here, and he's had some rookie moments. He really has had some rookie moments and some rookie downtimes, you know, not only during games, but there's been some, a stretch of it, but he's fought his way back from it. 
the one thing that he is is he's a very smart, heads-up, situationally aware player. That play that he and Kalu collaborated on for the interception down there in the end zone, well, it's, a, it's the best I've seen, and I've seen about 700 games. I mean, it's the, it's, it's the best I've ever seen because there was so much that went into that. First of all, just to athletically make the play to jump out of bounds and then to have the presence of mind to catch the ball, he caught the ball, and then to know that Kalu was behind him because if he throws it forward, it's an illegal play. But to know that Kalu was there and threw it behind him and also knew that the receiver, Williams, had already gone past the point as to where he would be involved with any type of throwback, it was a fabulous play. And then Kalu being able to get both feet down and, and to have the presence of mind to know where he was and to, to know and just connect with McCrary as to what was getting ready to happen. I mean, it was kind of like a fast-breaking basketball where, you know, they don't – they just look at each other and one throws the alley-oop up and the other one slams it. It was a, it was one of the better plays I've ever seen defensively in the National Football League as far as a pick. So earlier this week, Roger McCreary spoke with the media and uh, we want to play for you what he had to say because we don't get to hear from him very often. So here is Roger McCreary's media availability from earlier this week. anything like that before had you ever done anything like that before or did it all just happen um i heard a play like that happen before oklahoma state the same as that play happened but i always imagined doing a play like that when i was young and at that moment i knew that was my chance to do it and i feel like kalu was in the right spot for that to happen i think in maybe the redskins game there was maybe i forget who was even involved in that but it was on the back line where it looked like maybe somebody could have done it did that ever Uh, come up did y'all talk about that are you talking about christian or that play with christian yeah um we told him, like, at the end, we watched the film and everything. Like, he could have did it, but he could have caught the interception, too. Like, I feel like he was in a position to catch the interception. But in my situation, I went in exact position to catch the interception, so I just gave it to Kalu. Now, he said he's keeping the ball, but gives you credit for it. Is there any way he cut it in half, or what does he set? Uh, nah, he can, he can keep the ball. He can keep You know, that's his first. I didn't know that was his first um, career, I mean, NFL um, pick. So, I feel like that's great. He can keep the ball. I got I got to know the ball. Kansas City, I still, like, look at that ball every day. But um, that was just, uh, I feel like, that was just me being unselfish, and I feel like it was great for both of us in that moment. So I'm happy for him that that was his first pick. Are you concerned at all, Roger, that, that there might be the chance of a, you know, a receiver coming down with the ball? Or were it's you pretty certain? You said, well, what you said? Were, were you concerned at all that, mm. okay. Oh, no, I wasn't concerned on um, because when the ball was coming, he wasn't looking. Um, he was still, like, going down the field. So I knew there was my, like, exact chance to get a perfect catch without him distracting me or anything. And that's when Clue came. So I felt like it was great at the moment. Did the receiver say anything to you afterwards? Oh, no, nah, he ain't say nothing to me. He didn't have time. I started running and setting break with the teammate and everything, so he couldn't for real. You're through that kind of rookie wall. You're past the college season at this mm. point, and you just turned in one of your best games. How have you gotten over that hump? Um, I would say the rookie wall. That's no joke right there. I did not know that was a thing for real until, like, that game. That's when I say it finally hit me. But um, I say um, it's great, you know, that game there. I feel like my confidence came um, a little more higher because playing against a guy like Mike Williams and everything, I just feel like that game, I just got to learn from my mistakes because I feel like there was some plays I could have did better. But it just on to the next game to try to get better. What, what is the feeling like when you are struggling, when you know your college season would have been over with? I mean, is it more of a fatigue factor, your legs feeling it? Where, where do you feel it the most when you were – I mean, you're kind of trying to get past it. I say both physically and mentally, um, just being tired. Um, you know, mentally, you feel like – 
I could be chilling right now. You know, college, they chilling right now and all that stuff. You know, I'm still playing the lead. And just my body, you know, it gets sore playing against, like, guys, big guys, physical every play throughout the whole game. So I feel like it's both mentally and physically. You had some tough plays down around the, the goal line. I think that might be like Cincinnati and, and of course, the Jacksonville one, too. What do you think you learned from those? And, and you know, how did that help you maybe maybe against the Chargers and, and going forward? Oh, yeah, I'll say them was the tough plays. Um, you know, them plays I could have made. Um, I can't go back from that. I just got to learn from my mistakes, and I just got to get better. I just got to put that in the past and just try to get better in the future. Anything in particular from from those plays that, that you know, that you did learn specifically from? Um, I wouldn't say it's just from them plays. It's just I, they, they, they just needed I mean, they just wanted it more in that way. I could have caught the interception, the Jaguars. I couldn't make it. They wanted more. I felt like Cincinnati, you know, T. Higgins caught the ball on me. I feel like he just wanted it more to me. Um, I just got to play more stronger, and I just got to, like, know who I'm going against in that phase, I feel like. But don't play is just in the past. I feel like I just got to go on and just keep pushing for my team. Roger, when you looked around on Sunday at the various packages you guys put out on the field in the secondary, it looked a lot different than it did at the beginning of the season. As one of the guys who's been relatively healthy and out there most weeks, do you take a pressure in that, that you got to keep it up and kind of carry this unit right now? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I'm going into that game there. I knew that was going to throw the ball a lot. And, you know, getting another season on, we didn't start off good. And, you know, some guys are getting hurt and everything. So I feel like it's, it's a little tougher at the back end. But, you know, we got new guys coming in and out. So I feel like we just got to, like, it all start with practice. We just got to work hard and just communicate and just try to get better every week throughout the practice and everything. And I feel like that builds up. You know, we have guys like Jeff and Gabe. I mean, David, he was here, but now he's hurt now. We just have leaders like that who just help and push us every practice, just try to get better throughout the whole season. But I feel like we still got to keep going and keep pushing. My bad. Most of the guys in that locker room never lost four games before. What's, what's what that? Most of the guys in that locker room have never lost four games in a row before. Mm. What's what's the mood like now compared um, to the beginning of the season? I never knew that. I didn't never knew um they lost four. They never lost four games. But just seeing how KB was after the game, you can tell that um I can tell they really like hurt him like how much he really wanted. And that's just like one thing about me that just really hurt me because you know seeing older guys like that who like who build a brand on his team and all that stuff. I feel like. I just got to be stronger on my end to just try to help them out, even though we have guys banged up and everything. So I feel like with my job, I feel like I just got to do better for guys like him. How have you seen some of those leaders like keep that energy positive? And, and you, you know, as a, as a newcomer, like how have you been able to, to keep that positive as well? Um, just first, it started off with them just keeping it positive, keeping that energy, keep going positive, just trying to get better throughout the whole week. It started with them because there'll be some plays I'll be, I'll be bad, I'll be down. I'll be like, damn, I'm messing up for the team. But like guys like him and the leaders, they always keep that positive energy. Be like, this is one play, that's just that. Just keep pushing. We still got more room to play. It's just stuff like that, that positive energy. And everybody's like that throughout the locker room. So I feel like as long as you keep that positive mindset and energy, I feel like we're going to be great at the end. Coach, you mentioned you know, that you take some of the things that have happened like very personally for you. Like, what's what's the key to kind of learning from it, but also turning the page and, and rolling forward to a, a, another good play? Uh, I feel like with me, that's one of the hardest things with me because I'm always hard on myself. Even if it's a missed tackle and that got to a first down, I'm gonna be hard on the, on myself throughout the whole game with that. But it's just with me. I say me personally. I just gotta like move on to the next page and just try to like try to like do good throughout the whole game will be better throughout the whole game because we still got Maroon to play in that game, so I just can't think about that. But with me, personally, me, I feel like that's something I got to work on, not trying to be so hard on myself, but just turn to the next page. Texas played two quarterbacks.
quarterbacks right now. Does that make it any more challenging to prepare for? Um, I, I wouldn't say so. I feel like, um, I mean, I don't know exactly the two quarterbacks um, you're referring to, but I feel like that won't mean nothing or none of that because they got a, a great running back. And, you know, they still got great receivers and everything, but it's just like trying to learn and figure out who they're going to use the quarterback in different situations. And I feel like going into today, we just got to learn and how we're going to fit that. Roger, you don't like to play in cold weather. You've kind of made that clear. You've, yeah. you've done it, though, this season, you know, oh, yeah. up in Green Bay. It's going to be pretty cold on Saturday. Like I heard. Single digits. How do you prepare for something like that mentally, being like a guy who doesn't love that? Yeah, I heard it's going to be really cold. But Green Bay, that was really the first big test right there because I never seen snow that much, really. But, like, it was snowing, so I feel like that was a good test for me. But this game right here, like, they said it's going to be real cold. But really, I say it's all mental. It's all in the head. So I feel like I'm going to be good at the end. But yeah, it, it's going to be cold. I, I, I can already tell. all the extra things they get ready for a game like this? Like, yeah. what particularly do you use? First, a heater. I got to be close to a heater. Them heaters on the sideline, that'd be working out good for me, I would say. But, like, it was, it's all mentally, I would say. Um, it's not It's not like a big challenge for me. I feel like I paid through it. Sweat, extra sweats, extra uh, long underwear, maybe. I mean, really, all I need is some some Vaseline, some ice to hide on my arms and everything. My legs don't get cold, really. It's just like really my arms. So once that good, I'm straight. I'm good for the game. You ever get used to that, the Vaseline? I mean, just like greasing up before you go out there. It just seems kind of weird. Yeah. You got to, you got to use it. You got to <laughs> use that. IV. I mean, I'll step out there at first. I'll be like, oh no, I got to go back inside. But like, that really helped. I'm not gonna lie, it's really helped. May a ball may slip through your grasp if you got on too much Vaseline. I got the gloves for that. I got the gloves. <laughs> you put the gloves on, you good. So I feel like I'm going to be scared. I feel like I got a little routine for this cold weather. What, you, what have you seen, Roger, from your, your fellow rookie uh, Malik uh, this season? You know, in, in practice, whether it's you know, running the scout team or whatever, what, what kind of progress have you seen him make? I'm going back to the positive energy. That's one of the guys I would say always have a positive energy. You know. Um, you know, we go on the field, he, he try to be there for the team. Uh, even though he make like some mistakes, have a positive energy. He just try to get better every day. I promise you, like he the one who picked me up because we've been like knowing each other since Auburn days. So I feel like he is going to be good for him at the end because he push every day, he work hard every day, and I feel like he's a great team leader. He's kind of a funny dude. Well, I like this player, but I've always liked him. I liked him in the draft. Uh, just because he is a football player. He gets it. No situation is too big for him. Is he going to get beat? Yes. Every corner of the National Football League is going to get beat as long as they're living on a football field in the National Football League. But he bounces back from it, and he's, he's a competitor. He's a tough player. He's a tackler. And, I mean, I, I like him. I like his entire makeup. Mac, are you ready to look ahead to Houston a little bit? Sure. All right. So the record is 1-12-1, which is not phenomenal. But – this isn't a team that has quit in any way. They're still playing very hard, and it seems like they still have a lot of motivation to play. Well, they've got no reason not to. Look, when you're, when you're in this type of situation, I mean, thankfully that I've never been involved in too many of these in all of my years of coaching, but if you are, the players are playing for their jobs, not only at Houston but somewhere else, and depends on where they are in their careers. So that's number one. Number two is, is when you get to this point – with a one-win season, you've got nothing to lose. I mean, you've got nothing to lose player-wise or coach-wise. And we'll get into some of the things that they're doing coaching now, but the fact that you said that they're paying hard, it, it, it's demonstrated with what they've done. I mean, defensively, 
They've created five turnovers in the last two weeks against playoff-bound teams that have resulted in 24 points that kept them very close in the game. So if you're creating that many turnovers, then clearly you're putting a lot of effort into what's going on. So they're doing that. And they've also, you know, done some things offensively to try to jumpstart what's going on, especially since they lost Damian Pierce, who I think is one of the better young running backs coming up in the league. But they started a two-quarterback system. And I want to talk about that a little bit because their uh, offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton, he flat out said, this was an experiment. We didn't really know what was going to happen, but they've had a lot of success with it. And now it has become part of their offense. How bizarre, not bizarre, how unusual is it, I should say, um, to have two quarterbacks that you are running and taking almost equal snaps? Well, it's very unusual if you're winning. If you're 1-12-1, and one, it's not unusual at all. They're trying to look for anything to give them a jump start. And both are quarterbacks, Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. They're both different types of quarterbacks. And so what they're doing is, is by putting that on tape, they're making their next opponent, the Titans, prepare for two quarterbacks. You know, and, and, and they're both different. Driscoll can run and can move. Davis Mills is a pocket passer. And so the things that they're doing are different. And I understand why Pep did it. I mean, I, I see he was, you know, he, they've lost a couple of their receivers. You know, they, they, and, so, and they lost their best running back. So what they're trying to do is manufacture offense. And that's what they're doing. Well, you mentioned that they've been missing some people on offense. Nico Collins struggling with an injury. Brandon Cooks struggling with an injury. You already said Damian Pierce isn't going to be playing. A lot of injuries at key positions for them on offense. Are there any guys left? Are there people who stuck out to you? Sure. The Moore kid that was their number three. I mean, he had 10 catches against Dallas and, and, and really had a great had a great game. Got his opportunity, has taken advantage of it. Yeah, they've got they've got people left and the thing that they're that they are doing, and I was always wary when I was coaching against a team like this, because they've got zero to lose. They've got, there's no pressure on them. None at all. The only pressure is gonna be on them is how the temperature's gonna be. But as far as the pressure, I mean there is no pressure on them, so they can prepare pretty free flowing. On defense, uh, Jerry Hughes is still a threat despite frog. being – Frog. Yeah, uh, well, in what? He's 100 years old? No, he's How a frog. He? He, oh, I know he is. 13, year, 13 years in the league. He's got – leads the team with eight sacks. He's he's doing a really, really nice job. Both of their edge players are good players. Uh, and then and defensively, the player I really like, we watched it. We vetted him in the draft. You and I and Rhett did. Jalen Petrie, the kid from Baylor, is really making a big difference. And, of course, you know – they're playing five interceptions last two weeks against Dallas, against Kansas City. They're playing defense. Well, and Lovey Smith is kind of known for for his defenses, correct? Well, that's how he's cut his teeth in this league. That's what's gotten him head jobs collegiately and in the National Football League. Excellent defensive coach. I'm going to be very interested to see what he comes up with because his focus will be to stop Derrick Henry. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does. So what do the Titans need to do to walk away with a win over the Texans? Well, you, you're going to have to control the ball. you got to run the ball. We ran the ball against them last time. Lovey will try not to let that happen this time. we got to run the ball on them because, you know, you've got a young quarterback starting the game. You don't want to get into a game where the young quarterback has to sit back there in the pocket and try to be able to bring you back from 21 down or, you know, you can't let the score get separated. Best way not to do that, control the football 
And, and then use your quarterback. Your quarterback is an athletic young quarterback. Use him on play action. Use his legs some. But you got to be able to run the ball and control it to begin with. And then basically, you know, play defense like you've been playing defense, especially last week. I thought the defensive game plan and the execution was really good against the Chargers, who are an explosive offense, except for two explosive plays. You know, and in a basically a two-score game, which it was, both teams tied at 14-14, you know, you had one explosive play at the end of the game that ended up in a four-second kick that gave them the win. So you need to play defense like that. And our returning people that are returning up front, we need pressure on whoever they have playing quarterback. Let's talk about this weather a little bit. Um, the, the Nashville area is expecting some chilly temperatures. We are all kind of waiting with bated breath right now for the, I, I mean, the bottom to drop out, basically, in terms of temperatures. We are going to go from, what is it, 52, 53, something like that right now, and it's going to go down to the single digits by the end of this evening well the whole world's frozen the whole world is frozen and it's freezing from the top down it's not great it's not my favorite thing and saturday's game they say 26 degrees is the high on saturday i don't think it's even going to get that warm and the wind chill is the biggest issue right oh absolutely i mean i spent 10 years in chicago so i've got some cold weather experience during the football season and Wind chill is a big deal. If the wind is not blowing, I mean, you can you can you can survive the cold because you've got enough stuff that you can wear uh, for the players. The benches are heated. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. But the wind chill, it's hard to beat the wind. How is that going to impact this game? It'll if it blows a lot, it'll impact it a lot. I mean, it will because you know it, it impacts your throwing ability. And it also impact impacts you know which end you choose you know with if you win a toss it impacts a lot of things that, that you do it also is going to impact the kicking game quite a bit so the wind with the cold that's the that's the the biggest break that we're getting i think amy with this is at least it's not going to be wet it's not going to be it's not going to be damp it's not going to be i've played in freezing ice before blowing ice i've played in all of that stuff you know coaching all of that stuff that's a problem at least we got no precipitation We've got cold and we've got wind. So we've got wind chill issues and then we've got directional wind issues. So you're a Chicago resident for a time in your life. Ten years. I'm a Texas resident. I was I was a Chicago mercenary for mercenary. ten years. Mercenary. <laughs> what tips do you have for people who are coming to the game and also me who will be standing outside to not die? Layers. Start with a nice cotton layer underneath, something that doesn't absorb sweat. You need a nice layer underneath that, that doesn't so you because you're going to get hot with a, with a bunch of layers on, but you don't want to be sweating underneath these layers because the water, the perspiration makes you colder. So don't do that. Layer up with the, with the correct fabrics. Protect your head. Protect your feet. That's important. Protect your hands. And if it's if it's uh, what we used to do in Chicago when the wind was blowing is everybody would grease up with Vaseline on any exposed skin because Vaseline cuts the wind completely. So what you're saying, I'm saying for you, Amy, here's what you do. Get dressed like I said, and then have somebody tip you up by hold you by your ankles and dip your head in a bucket of (laughs) Vaseline. I might do it, Mac. This is going to be. The coldest game that I've ever been a part of. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's going to be. And then, you know, for the people in the stands, be, you know, bring something to sit on, you know, not with the seats. They got nice seats, but bring something for your feet. Bring cardboard or something to put on your feet so that your feet aren't on concrete. 
bring something to cut the, the, the cold on the concrete. This is fascinating. All right. Well, I've there lived, you go, I've everybody. I've lived through this for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's very impressive. You're very wise when it comes no, to I'm cold weather care. No, I'm not impressive. I'm not wise, but that's what we did. <laughs> well, the Titans do take on the Houston Texans this Saturday, December 24th at Nissan Stadium. Kickoff for that game is at noon, so at least we should have the sun in our favor. Everybody come to the game. I've been, you know, I've been in a lot of these cold games where it's jammed with people at Green Bay, the same things, jammed with people. Just get dressed for the occasion and come on because the Titans need you for this ball game. This is a division game. We need it. Yep. We're all in this together, folks. We're all going to be chilly together. And Mac and Mike Keith will be in the booth, but that window is wide open, so they will not be warm either. No. I mean, Mike Keith, his whole career, the window's wide open. It's been wide open in the six years I've been doing it. It'll be wide open this time. So all the fans that turn around and look at us and give us high fives and thumbs up, we're right there with you. We're feeling the whole thing with you. So Let's get out there together and win a game. It's going to be great. Um, again, kickoff for that game is at noon at Nissan Stadium. We hope to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great way to kick off a little holiday weekend. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, Merry Christmas, Coach Mac. Merry Christmas, Amy. And See, this was festive. Yeah, see, there it is. There's our festive moment. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to all of you, for joining us for the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.